You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So how y'all doing today? Doing good? I'm doing good. It's not entirely true, but it, it kind of kind of gets you juiced up a little bit. You get the music, got my giant muggo cold coffee, and you just kind of launch into this intro with, you know, feeling good. You don't have to believe it. You just say it, and then it kind of... You know, the whole speak it into existence nonsense? There's a sliver of truth there. Just, just, you know, just, just say it. Just go walk out into your street right now and say, I feel great. No, you get off the street, Carl. Guy's always in my business. Carl. Anyways, thank you so much for joining the show. This is pretty much how the whole thing goes if you're new here. My brain is like a fireworks display. It just starts shooting off in all these different directions. And uh, you're welcome to come along for the ride. Okay, great. So what are we doing today? Well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, there is one thing I wanted to address. I, I do this I've, nearly 800 episodes, and I'm still to the point where I forget that after I get done doing stuff, I have to have another plan. And I, I don't know. I, I, I have one thing that I definitely want to address so far today. Seems as though I'm a little bit ranty, so maybe this will take up the whole time. I've got a couple other things, but I didn't do as much research as I probably should, so let's hope this takes a long time. But the question that was posed, and let me just pull it up so I get this correct, and this was not a question posed directly to me. This was in the midst of a conversation on Twitter. Somebody brought this up, and uh, it appears that they don't follow me on Twitter, so they probably won't mind if I beat them up a little bit. Which is not my intention. I just think it's an interesting thing and we're going to talk about it. But here's what it says. He says, It would be a mistake to emulate the 49ers. They've had one winning season in the last five years. The strength of that team is defense. That ground and pound stuff doesn't translate to constant winning. It might work for a year, but never a constant. You can look at the past 20 years. So right away, people probably know a couple things I don't necessarily agree with. But it's still, if we trim off the edges of this some of the sillier comments there's still some decent meat here so that's the big thing i want to address and we'll see what we're doing with time but a big hearty shout out to uh, mr justin on patreon who upped his pledge very very much greatly appreciated it'd be nice if somebody did something nice for me and i could formulate a sentence that actually made sense wouldn't you think that's the least i could do for a guy give him like one good sentence i can't even i can't do it i'm sorry justin i'm sorry i failed you I'm not going to delete this and start over. We're we're rolling now. This is it. This is <laughs> this is the show, man. This is how it goes. Justin, if you just delete your pledge, I wouldn't uh I would understand because I have failed you greatly. One sentence is all the guy asked for. I can't even give it to him. Speaking of Patreon though, if you'd like to jump in and support the podcast, would be greatly appreciated. There is some hope that this society will come back to normal and, you know, the podcast will have advertisers, and I can begin to feel as though, you know, maybe I can earn a living doing this someday. Now is not that time. Now is the time where I get depressed, (laughs) which 
you know, it's probably not uncommon right now. But if you want to support what I'm doing, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. There are also links in the description if you are um, opposed to Patreon, as I know some people are. I try to make it easy as possible. I've had several people reach out directly and like, all right, how do I help you? And I will help you help me. Otherwise, a five-star iTunes review, Stitcher review, would be greatly appreciated. If you have the ability to set up notifications, make sure you do do so. I know you can do it on Google. I know you can do it on iTunes. What else? I don't think anything else. I think that's it. So let's take a break, and we'll be right back and look at this little glimmer of information. That does that doesn't make sense either. Ah, oh, I'm gonna be better coming out of this break. You just wait. Come out like a roaring thunder. We'll take a break. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Okay, so let us trim the edges a bit. The first thing I would take issue with is the phrasing of the 49ers had one winning season in the last five years. The reason is because that one winning season was last year. The more correct way to say it is it took five years for this thing to finally start working. The biggest reason, by the way, is the fact that their quarterback's been hurt for like two straight years. It also should be noted that Shanahan has been there for only three years. So if we go back five years, we're looking at uh, Tom Sula and uh, Chip Kelly. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy the amount of stuff that San Francisco has been through. I mean, just looking at the quarterbacks... It was, if we go back five years, Gabbert, Kaepernick, Garoppolo, Mullins, Garoppolo. But again, 
the the 49ers that he's talking about, which is this style of offense, didn't start until 2017 with Shanahan. As I mentioned in a previous episode, it usually takes until year two for this thing to take hold. Sometimes it takes three years for this thing to take hold. In this case, it took three years. And again, probably a big part of that is the fact that they didn't really have a quarterback. I think Jimmy Garoppolo played nine games in his first two years. So it was almost sort of a perfect storm. Generally, when this thing takes hold, you know, when it when it first kicks off, it's not great right away. As I said, for those that missed that episode, usually year one is a blend of this system and the old school. So with the 49ers, if you just look at the difference between rushing and, and passing and you compare it to uh, the year prior to this new coach coming in and the year after, so this coach's second year, the first year looks a lot more like the last coach than it does the second year. That is to say, and the Packers are similar in this regard, if the team at its end goal is to be, let's just say, 5th in rushing and, and 20th in passing, in that first year they might still be, you know, 5th in passing and 15th in rushing, right? They're, they're still working off of what the roster is and what the team is used to and all that stuff, and they, they haven't really fully implemented this new system. You look at, for example, how well the 49ers offensive line works together. Um, Something else that I had mentioned, this was on, uh, and I keep mentioning certain things that really just stick in my mind because it kind of blows me away, but on Aaron Nagler's show, he was talking with, and again, I can never remember who, but I think it was Ryan Grant, who had been with the Packers as well as the Washington Redskins working under the Shanahans, because I think it was both of them at the time, but I'm not sure. And he talked about how much they drilled running over and over and over and over. It wasn't like the Green Bay Packers where running was just a thing you do, right? It's just everybody knows how to run. You know, the offensive line, you know how to block. He's going through this gap, so you block a hole in that gap or, you know, what, you know, it's just, it wasn't really drilled. It was just, this is what we do. Go do it. All right, there you go. This is like choreographed. It's it's perfection. It has to be just so, the timing, everything. And so that kind of stuff takes time as well. It also probably affects why we're, you know, a, if you were a passing team before, we're going to stick with what you know until we get this choreographed running game down a little bit. And so with the 49ers, you have a situation where we don't have a quarterback. We don't really know how to do this thing yet. So we're still kind of doing the old stuff. Everything's just kind of a mess. And then all at once, you have a run game that is just on point. Plus, you've been drafting really high, so we've got all these different pieces and components. You know, you drafted Kittle, which was an amazing pick. I forget what I said he was, a fifth-round pick or something crazy? And it all comes together just perfectly. So again, the the first issue is the idea that, well, look at the last... They've, they've, they've had one good year in the last five years. No, there's only been three years. And they've had one good year in three years, and it was their last year, which is why none of this matters right if it, if it was one good year in their first year and the last two years have been bad that would be concerning but that's not an argument that i can sympathize with the second sentence says the strength of that team is defense well uh just looking at the statistics the 49ers were the second highest scoring team in all of football they were ranked second in points their defense was ranked eighth in points this was not the chicago bears this is not a team whose defense is really, really good, but the offense is just lacking. Second highest scoring team in all of football. So this notion that the 49ers are just this ground and pound, terrible 
team that only cares about defense and then running the ball and they get 14 points a game. That's that's not true. It's nonsense. Think about that. Second, you got the Baltimore Ravens. You've got the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got the New Orleans Saints. You've got the Texans. You've got the Buccaneers. You've got all these teams that are renowned for their offense and their ability to score points, and the 49ers are higher than all of them except one. Would you have guessed that? And this is a point that I've tried to make in the past. This notion that the offense is going to take a step back or that we're going to have to pull back on the reins and, and make the offense go backward is not true. Just because you're running the ball more doesn't mean you're scoring less points, doesn't mean you're getting less yards. And we've I've provided examples of guys like Elway all the way back in the 90s whose stats improved, of guys like um, Matt Ryan, best year of his entire career. He's never going to do that well again. He was the best quarterback in all of football. The one year Shanahan was his offensive coordinator, or the second year, which was the final year. And yeah, they, they ran more than usual. But it does something when you're more efficient. By the way, the team that was number one, as you probably guessed, but maybe not, was the Baltimore Ravens. So think about that. We talk about the Chiefs and their elite offense. The 49ers scored more points than the Chiefs did. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you're automatically a better offense, but it maybe a little bit does, right? The Chiefs, by the way, were fifth in points. And yeah, they did lose Mahomes. I understand that. Still, fifth. The Texans, who have a fairly scary offense, not exactly, were 14th. The Saints were third. But I mean, let's, I mean, let's just go through it. They played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they won 31-17. to They played the Cincinnati Bengals, won 41-17. to They played the Pittsburgh Steelers, won 24-20. to That's how they started the season. Then they come out of their bye week against the Cleveland Browns, scored 31 points, 20 against the Rams. Redskins was 9 to nothing. That was a bad game, but they still won. They played the Carolina Panthers and won 51-13. to 51! I know the Panthers are bad, but 51 points?! Tell me how a ground-and-pound team scores 51 points. How is that even possible? By the way, they're 7-0 at this point. They go up against the Cardinals, score 28 points. Seattle scored 24 points. They did lose that game against Seattle. That was their first loss of the season, 8-1. Scored 36 points against the Cardinals, 37 points against the Packers, then lost to the Ravens 17-20. Which is interesting, because if we're talking about the strength of the other team is defense, but yet... The games in which they're losing are the ones in which the offense doesn't pull its weight. So far, they've lost two games. They scored 24 and 17 points in those games. Typically, that points to an offensive, a a team whose strength is offense. When you're relying on your offense to score more than 24 points in order to win, it's not your defense that's the strength, although the defense has been a strength. They allowed 17, 17, 20, 3, 7, 0, 13, but then you get a stretch of 25, 27, 26. Right, and then you lose one of those. I don't know. Anyways, they play the the Saints and win 48-46, to so they won a shootout. This was a shootout with one of the best offenses in football, and they won. 48-46. They lost to the Falcons, which is just inexplicable. It's one of those things. It happens. I don't know. But again, they scored 22 points. But then they come out of that. They score 34 points against the Rams. That score was 34-31. So that was a case in which the defense was not good. By the way... The, the defense went on a stretch, 46 points allowed, 29 points allowed against the Falcons, 31 points allowed against the Rams. The defense fell apart here. The offense rose to the occasion. They allowed the Saints to score 46 points, and they won. They allowed the Rams to score 31 points, and they won. And then the next time around, they beat the Seahawks 26-21. to 
Then they go into the playoffs. They beat the Vikings 27 to 10. They beat the Packers 37 to 20. And then the Kansas City Chiefs 20 to 31. Again, the offense doesn't show up. They lose. And this is one of several times toward the end of the season in which the defense was somewhat of a letdown. The defense was strong, but it was a little bit more spotty. Again, Seahawks scored 27, Cardinals, Cardinals scored 26, Saints scored 46, Falcons 29, Rams 31, and then the, finally in the Super Bowl, again, the defense allowed 31 points. Definitely not saying this is a bad defense, but the idea that this is an elite defense and some kind of a lackluster offense is ridiculous. This was the second highest scoring offense in all of football. They were fourth, by the way, in yards. So, you know, again, this is not a ground and pound, we're going to run four yards and slowly grind our way down the field. No, they're going to throw the ball, they're going to throw it a lot, and they're going to get a lot of yards. Again, the, the notion isn't, the idea behind this offense isn't just run the ball and play dink and dunk. There is that. But again, the idea is we start with a core of run the ball. And that doesn't even mean we are going to actually run the ball. But the point is, every single time we snap the ball, we want to make it look like we're running the ball. What we actually do could be one of about 50 different things. But we don't want the offense or the defense to have any clue what it is we're going to do. And we're going to try to set them up to believe we're doing something that we're not so that they're out of position so that we can do things that we want to do. And, and by the way, this is especially beneficial for a team like the Packers, who one of the biggest problems they've had offensively and defensively is being unbelievably predictable. When you line up in the shotgun or pistol or whatever, and you've got three wide receivers and you've got a running back, and you do this half-hearted little, here you go, Aaron, but you don't, I mean, you know, Aaron Jones, but you hardly even extend your arms, and Aaron wasn't even paying attention because he was already blocking, and you got three wide receivers just running down the field. I mean, the bottom line is, this is not that hard to, to cover. There's no fake, there's no real, it's, it's really just man-on-man. Man. Again, the, the old Mike McCarthy philosophy was, we're just going to be better than you. We're not going to try to trick you, we're just going to win. And that worked fantastic when we had wide receive when we had five wide receivers that were better than all of your corners pretty much our fifth best wide receiver could match up fairly favorably against your number one corner however we we have five of them so you're having to pull people off the bench to go up against basically number one wide receivers and that's not hyperbole when you've got jennings and you've got jones and you've got driver and you've got cobb and you've got jordy and cobb is basically number five on this on this roster yeah, you can just line up and say, you, you could show them the play and say, this is what we're doing, best of luck to you, and we could drive down the field and score doing that. Those days are over, though, man. We don't have that ability. And so the desire is to keep the defense off balance. I mean, it's to the offense's credit that they know the play and the defense doesn't. So why don't we take advantage of that? Because if, if you reverse it and tell the offense and the defense to play, I think the defense is the one that has the disadvantage, or the advantage. Because it's hard to execute a play. I mean, you've got basically somebody trying to run away from somebody who knows exactly where you're going, and then you have a quarterback who has to get the ball to that guy. Best of luck. So again, the offense has the advantage of the element of surprise. you got to use it, though. And the Packers haven't really used it very much. And again, he goes on to say the ground and pound stuff doesn't translate to cons constant winning. It might work for a year, but it's never constant. Well, there's, there's a couple issues. First of all, it's hard to find any team that is consistent for a very long time. First of all, what, what does it mean to be winning? Are we just talking about winning seasons, as in nine wins or more? I mean, if that's the case, then I'm assuming you don't think the Baltimore Ravens are going to survive. Because the uh, 
you know, as much as we hail Lamar Jackson for being a great quarterback, the fact of the matter is the Baltimore Ravens are one of only two teams who throw the ball less than they run the ball. One is the San Francisco 49ers, who 51% of the time they run, 49% of the time they pass. The Baltimore Ravens run 54% of the time, run 46% of the time. Now, maybe that's the case. I don't know. You also have Tennessee. I mean, if we're just looking at teams that are very run-heavy, Tennessee would be next on that list. Then Minnesota. You also have teams like Seattle. Notice I'm listing teams that tend to have a lot of success. If we go the other direction, the teams that throw the most, Atlanta, garbage. Miami, garbage. Giants, garbage. Carolina, garbage. Cincinnati, garbage. The Chargers, garbage. Tampa Bay, garbage. I mean, I'm just going in order. The Rams, I mean, they're okay, but they're declining. Jacksonville, garbage. And then you get to Kansas City. The first team, by the way, that I got to that has a 50% success rate while throwing the ball. After that, you have Chicago with a 44% success rate, Arizona, and then New Orleans. So we're about halfway through all the teams, and we have two teams that are actually any good. Then you have Detroit, then you have the Jets, then you have the Green Bay Packers, who again are about to be uh, running the ball a lot more. Another interesting little tidbit here, if you look at the success percentage, the Green Bay Packers have a 44% success rate while throwing the ball, a 51% success rate while running the ball. That's pretty high, 51% running. And 44% throwing is not great. And part of the reason that our throwing success rate is so low is largely due to the fact that we're not running this correct system. Let's look at the Baltimore Ravens, 49%. San Francisco 49ers, 49%. They don't throw the ball much, but when they do, it's with a higher success rate than the Green Bay Packers, which probably is part of the reason why they have better offenses than we do. The Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers are number one and two in offense, and they are the number one and two. It's, it's in order. Baltimore's number one, they run 46% of the time. San Francisco's number two, they run 49% of the time. Now, I'm not saying this happens every single year, but to say that ground and pound doesn't work is silly. Again, the number one scoring offense in all of football is the number one running offense in all of football. The number two scoring offense is the number two running offense in all of football. Even the Tennessee Titans, who are not that great of a team, were number three in running the number three rushing team in all of football. They have the 10th highest scoring offense in football. I mean, would we be mad about that if the Green Bay Packers had the 10th highest um, scoring offense? I mean, they were pretty inconsistent was the biggest problem, but they didn't have... The, the problem with the Packers is they have a hard time running up the score. They're pretty consistent with their 24-ish points. Even going up against bad teams, they struggle to get that score up. The Tennessee. The only reason Tennessee was 10th is because they had games like against Jacksonville scoring 7, against Buffalo scoring 7, against Denver they scored 0. But they also had 43 against Cleveland, 35 against the Chiefs, 42 against Jacksonville, 31 against the Colts, 42 against the Raiders, 35 against Houston, 28 against the Ravens in the playoffs. You know, when they beat the Ravens. And if you, if you factor in the Packers are a better team, you know, in terms of talent, and again, this is, this is sort of the whole thing. If the Packers are able to execute, and, and it's hard to say this system because it's none of them are identical. All of them are different. Obviously, the Baltimore Ravens, just because they run a lot, are completely different than the San Francisco 49ers, who are completely different than the Tennessee Titans, who are completely different than the Green Bay Packers. But we're talking about a general philosophy that the, that the 49ers have that the Packers are trying to emulate. And the Titans, by the way, are, are relatively similar. A lot of what they're doing is what um, uh, LaFleur brought to... Tennessee. But the, the the premise is, if the Packers can emulate this, you have a better roster doing what they're doing. Now, we don't have George Kittle, but to think that Aaron Rodgers is 
not miles ahead of where Jimmy Garoppolo is, is silly. And remember, Ryan, uh, Ryan Tannehill didn't even jump in until later. And Ryan Tannehill was, was extremely efficient in this system. This was Marcus Mariota for a long time. In fact, I think it might be directly correlated. If you look at this last game in which they had scored very little, they scored zero points, which is the last time they had a low score. That was against the Denver Broncos. Marcus Mariota was the quarterback at first, and then they brought in Ryan Tannehill. So if we just look from weeks, was that week six on, they're they're well beyond a top ten offense. And again, after that you have Minnesota. That's the eighth best scoring offense in football. So so far we have number one, number two, number eight, and number ten, the top four rushing offenses in football. Now we haven't addressed the sustainability thing yet, but again I just want to address the fact that these are successful offenses. The notion that it's all just defense, that the Vikings win with defense and their offense is lackluster, and the 49ers win with defense and their offense is lackluster, it's not true. I think there's a misconception that the Ravens and the Chiefs and the Saints are the best offenses in football, and they throw more than anybody, and that again, that's not true. The Chiefs are 10th in, in uh, percentage passing. The Saints are 13th, so they're basically middle of the pack. And again, Baltimore's dead last. And, and again, the idea that these are the, even the top three offenses is just, it's not really true. I mean, if, if you don't want to use points and yards, you don't have to, but that's kind of kind of important. And so the, the final little interesting tidbit while I'm sitting on this page here, on average, the average success percentage for a team passing is 45%. If we look again at these bottom four, uh, Baltimore success rate is 49, San Francisco 49, Tennessee 45, Minnesota 49. So all of them are significantly above, with the exception of Minnesota, who is exactly average. However, yards per attempt, which is something else that people seem to think is, you know, these are dink and dunk teams when you run and you do all this stuff, your yards per attempt passing is going to be relatively low. The average yards per attempt is 7.2. Baltimore was 7.4, San Francisco 8.5, Tennessee 8.5, Minnesota 7.9. All of them are above average. Green Bay passing 44%, which is below average. 7.2 yards per attempt is exactly average. So even the idea that we're going to be, Aaron Rodgers will have less yards per attempt, I hope not. It seems to me if we switch over to this new system, which is more running and hitting your checkdowns and all that kind of stuff, might actually mean, should actually mean, higher yards per attempt, especially when you factor in less throwaways. But the funny thing is, you look at the teams that throw the most, the Atlanta Falcons, 48%, 7.4. Miami, 42%, 6.7. New York, 42%, 6.7. Carolina, 6.5. Cincinnati, 6.4. I mean, they, they're not getting a lot of yards per attempt. They're, they're trying to air it out constantly. But that doesn't mean you're successful, and it doesn't mean you're getting a lot of yards through the air. People have been railing against the idea that the run sets up the pass, and that's not true, and all that nonsense. Seems to be, and I know the secondary argument is, okay, you do have to run the set up the pass, but you don't have to be good at running. Yeah, but it doesn't hurt, does it? I mean, can we just replace Lamar? Because, you know, I mean, he's really good at running, but that's not really the point. We don't need to be good at it. San Francisco, I mean, granted, it's nice that they're good at running the ball, but let's just, if we, if we dial it back, they'll be fine. Tennessee doesn't need Derrick Henry. I mean, you just plug anybody in there that's going to get you your three yards. The point is... Passing is the only thing that matters. 
And as long as you run and run into a pile of guys and get your three yards and then set up the, the pass on the next down, then it, come on, man, that's, that's ridiculous. None of these teams are upset that they happen to be very good at running the ball. And by the way, they also tend to be uh, successful running the ball, which kind of goes without saying, with the exception of Minnesota, which largely has to do with their offensive line, I'm sure. 48% success rate is average. Their success rate is 44%. But if you look at Baltimore, 55% success rate, 5.6 yards per attempt. San Francisco, 48% success rate, 4.8 yards per attempt. Tennessee, 51% success rate, 5 yards per attempt. All three of them are well above, which is expected. But again, it's, it's, it's not choosing one and sacrificing the other. It's choosing to do one, getting very good at one so that you're better than everybody at it, doing it a lot, and then also, by the way, we're getting better at passing the ball as a result. And again, Green Bay, 51% success rate, which is well above average. It looks like there are about nine teams that are above 50%. Green Bay Packers are one of them. Then there's the question of sustained success, which is kind of the final point, right? Here's my thought on it. And I'll, you know, whether or not I can pull up stats, I mean, this is very hard to pull up a lot of stats and information on this. The notion that it's hard to maintain a strong defense is true. It's hard to, that you, you have more people. And when you have more people that are very good, they become very expensive, and then you can't afford them all, so you have to get rid of them and replace them. But it's hard to replace talent. The replacement rate is not fast enough to replace this many good players. Especially, I mean, even if you don't factor in hit rate, it's going to be tricky. But when you factor in that you're maybe going to get two players that are quality, and even then there's no guarantee that any of them are going to be Hall of Fame level like the guys that are about to be leaving your team, very hard to replace that. Here's the problem, though. Teams with long-standing success, and there aren't very many of them, are generally teams with very good quarterbacks. That isn't something you can plan for. That's just something you happen to have. So in other words, it's, it's not really a plan, although some teams have made that their plan. Just keep taking swings at quarterback and keep missing and keep being terrible like the Jets did for about 10 years. They draft a quarterback every couple years. The guy's terrible. We try to make it work. It doesn't work. We draft a new one. Lots of teams have done that. But the point is that's, that's not really even a strategy. And beyond that, we have the quarterback. So the question now is, what do we do with him? Now, if there's a concern that this system doesn't work and we should go to a system that is more designed toward elite court, I, 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 I'm just struggling to even articulate what the argument really is. The point is, teams with sustained success, for, I mean, we're talking 5, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever, the only teams that do that in my, that I'm aware of are teams with really good quarterbacks. Seattle has done it. Largely, we thought it was because of the whole Legion of Boom thing, and, and obviously their quarterback was good, but he wasn't everything. Now the Legion of Boom and the defense is gone, and they're still having success. It's because of Russell Wilson. You know, Drew Brees with the Saints, Mahomes with the Chiefs, that's the reason we know they're going to be very good. Obviously, Tom Brady with the Patriots for 20 years, Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, Brett Favre with the Packers. I mean, that that's the only way you have long-standing success is with a very good quarterback. But there's also the second element of what do you do once you have him? There's a lot of quarterbacks that have that have been very, very good and had no real, I don't want to say no success, but nowhere near the amount of success that they should have had. So the only real question in my mind is, is this a detriment to the team by employing this new system? And again, I don't see how that's possible. I don't see this as a detriment. I don't see this as abandoning offense and, and moving toward a system that is, let's just run the ball 
and build up this defense and try to win that way. That, that if, if that's what you think is happening, then I could understand your point. Because you can't maintain an elite defense for a, a long period of time, and you're also taking the ball out of your superstar quarterback's hands, which is the way you have long-standing success. But, but the ability to have success for a long time, that's almost an entirely different conversation altogether because really it just comes down to how much longer can Aaron Rodgers play at a high level and is Love the guy or, or when do we find a new quarterback? If we're talking 10 years from now, no matter what, we're talking about a new quarterback. That's the only thing that's going to give us long-standing success. Or you could possibly say, we play with Aaron Rodgers for X amount of years, and then we have a quarterback like Love come in and be like a Garoppolo-esque type player, but that only works so long as you have a top-tier defense. Which even that isn't isn't entirely true, because the system that we're even contemplating is an offensive system. The defense is a separate discussion. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard to even articulate what, I mean, if the offense, there's always the offense and the defense. That's always a question, but they're separate movable parts, right? If you have a bad defense, it doesn't make sense to say, well, then the offensive system doesn't work. That's not true. The offensive system works independently. The offensive system works on its own. Now, if you want to look at the 49ers, and again, I disagree with your assessment, but if you want to look at them and say, that's a team that wins based on defense, not offense, therefore you're not going to have long-standing success. I understand the argument. But then ultimately all you're saying is the offensive system just doesn't work, period, and I think that's foolish. I think that's kind of nonsense. And really any offensive system can work. It's just a matter of getting the right people in and running your system, right? The Again, I keep talking about the, the New England Patriots and their Earhart Perkins system. That's a system that works almost nowhere. When people leave and they go somewhere else and they employ the Earhart Perkins system, it's just an automatic failure, with the, with the exception, finally, of the Houston Texans, to a small degree, who were garbage for a long time under Earhart Perkins, that finally started to kick off once they got their quarterback. But even then, they're, I mean, they're, what are they, 14th, I said? It's not just the system. It's your ability to run it. Bill Belichick's ability to run his system is why they were as good as they were. Andy Reid's ability to run his system is why they're as good as they are and also a very good quarterback. Sean McVay's ability to run the system, which is similar to a Shanahan system, but it's a hybrid because they throw the ball a lot. So it's it's not necessarily a system. It's 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 his system and his ability to get the right guys to run his vision and then actually employ it. And then there's also the the attribute of play calling, in-game adjustments, all these different things come down to what makes a good offense. So Again, I feel like this is somewhat of a convoluted argument because we're conflating offensive system with the idea that we're going to win solely on defense. I agree with the idea that winning based on defense is not a system that is going to win long term. It's not that it can't win. We saw it happen with the Denver Broncos when they won the Super Bowl. That was an elite defense that dragged an offense into the Super Bowl and through a Super Bowl. And then at the end, you had a quarterback with nothing left in the tank hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. And then they promptly fell apart. So let's keep these these things independent. A defense being at the top of its game is not something you can expect for a super long time. That's true no matter what. And that's its own separate issue. That's its own separate problem. We can't keep Zadarius forever. We can't keep Kenny forever. We can't keep all these guys forever. And again, if you even get to the point where you do collect a ton of great defensive players, the problem is you can't afford to keep all of them. You can't afford to pay all of them. A team is based on having a few key people at a few key places and then filling the rest with a bunch of cheap rookies. That's the only way you can make the salary cap work. There's not enough money to pay, you know, $15, 20000000 to everybody on this team. 
You can't pay, you know, $12 million to each of your safeties, $20 million to two separate pass rushers, $18 million to your two defensive tackles, $17 million to three different corners, $15 million to two different linebackers, and then do the whole offense. That's, that, that doesn't work. And so, again, I agree with that general premise, but that's its own separate issue. And really, we're, we're doing a good job right now. We, we've got key expensive people at key places, right? We've got the one pass rusher. We've got a moderately priced safety next to a rookie safety. I, I, I do agree with the notion, although a lot of people disagree, that Preston will, will not be here for the long term. I think because of exactly what I'm saying, you've got your expensive free agent, Zadarius, and then you've got your rookie, Rashawn. I think the goal is for Rashawn to replace Preston. Not now, but it'd be worth look. I mean, let, let's just glance at it since we're talking about it. It's not a great situation, but it's not impossible that he's gone in 2021. It's a $8 million dead cap hit, but it saves us $8 million because his price tag is going to shoot up to $16 million. Now, if Preston Smith is able to maintain his double-digit sack numbers every single year, I have no problem with it. But again, I don't think that's going to be the case. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm not saying I want it. I'm just saying this is how you structure a team and keep it, keep it operational. You find replacement players and then you replace guys. You don't find replacement players and then keep them around so that they're so expensive that you can't afford to pay the replacement guys. You have to replace people. You have to do it. Even if you don't want to, right? Balaga, you got to replace him. Now, we didn't find a replacement. Thanks a lot, Spriggs, Ted Thompson, for that. But that's the way this works. And again, for the 50th time, separate issue. What to do with the defense, getting the right defensive coordinator, giving him the pieces, finding replacements to replace these guys. And we have so much youth, that's its own, again, that's, that's not going to be that much of a problem. Well, I guess it is, because youth doesn't matter. It's about, it's about how good you are and, you know, when these contracts come up. Can we play, pay Jair and pay King and pay Kenny and pay Zadarius and pay Preston? I mean, these things are coming up pretty quickly. The answer to that question probably is no. And then following closely behind, at the point we get to paying all these guys, we're going to have to pay maybe Rashawn if he turns a corner. We're going to have to pay Darnell Savage. But the question of offensive system, I don't see a problem with this. Again, the top two offenses are the top two rushing offenses in football. They also tend to do very well in yards, very well in yards per attempt passing. And I've, I've said this before, I, 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 I expect, based on previous information, Matt Ryan, John Elway, Jared Goff, I mean, it's just it's just a just a thing that happens when you become more efficient. Your stats get better, and and we have to shake this notion that all we're going to be doing is running AJ Dillon into the ground and Aaron Jones into the ground and occasionally running a little screen pass, and we're going to score 14 points a game and hopefully our defense gets so elite that we keep them to 13 and under. That's not anybody's game plan. Certainly not the 49ers game plan who annihilate everybody. It's not the Baltimore Ravens game plan who annihilates everybody, despite the fact that both of those teams run more than they pass, which is blasphemy in modern American football. Literally run the ball more often than they pass. That's, that's unheard of. And there are your top two offenses. Now, that doesn't mean if you run automatically, it makes you better. That's not true. Because the number three team is the, the Saints, and they are, what did I say, 13th? So they're a little bit more in the pass-heavy side of things. Again, it's not about the system. It's about the execution of the system. You know, Tampa Bay, as bad as they were, had a pretty solid offense. You know, 12th in points, 3rd in yards. They're running the Air Coriel system. I think they're the only, maybe the only team doing that. And it worked for them. They've got the, the receivers and the quarterback, and it just kind of fit. This is, it makes sense. It works. 
It's not about what you run, it's about how you execute it. Kansas City Chiefs, I believe, are West Coast, but it's a completely different West Coast than the Shanahan West Coast. Both the Chiefs and the Shanahan 49ers have success on offense. The Saints, they run Air Coriel. Very successful offense. The Texans, actually, I was wrong. Uh, They used to be Earhart Perkins under Bill O'Brien. They apparently switched over to a spread offense. So there you go. you got another system. It's just a matter of execution. This is your system. Fine. Get the right guys. Run your system. Make it work. Patriots, Earhart Perkins, success. This is actually a pretty cool off uh, article written by the Washington Post. You can look it up. And, and again, the West Coast and all that stuff kind of just gives you a little bit of a glance of the general thing. But again, you, you look at Mike McCarthy and, and Shanahan both running West Coast, and you can see that West Coast is very general. In fact, Mike McCarthy, it's hard to call that West Coast. But technically he was. I don't know. The, the general principles were West Coast. That's what he grew up in. That's what he understands. And it evolved into this thing that just didn't really look like West Coast. But but the this article, Every NFL Team's Best Offensive Play, the title here is Grand Schemes. But it kind of just shows you their style in a nutshell and gives you a little bit more. And this, this is an older article. This is from 2018, so it still doesn't stand. But it, it kind of gives a cool little illustration of, of the differences in the styles for each team. And again, the style is, it's a mix of what I've learned from the different places I've been to, taking those concepts, integrating that into what I currently have, right? Shanahan has Garoppolo, LaFleur has Rodgers. That makes a difference, right? Shanahan has Garoppolo and Kittle. LaFleur has Rodgers and Devante. So it's going to look a little bit different, what you decide to do despite having the same sort of foundational core understanding of how to run an offense, what we're going to do to execute this offense is going to look different. DeGuara is not Kittle. I mean, maybe he will be, I don't know, but probably won't be Kittle. But also the 49ers don't have Devante. And the 49ers don't have Aaron Jones. Although we don't have their offensive line and their ability to run block. So it's it's different, and you have to be different. So I, I don't have a problem with changing the scheme. right? We We had a guy that ran a let's just air it out type offense in Mike McCarthy and it didn't work because it again Mike McCarthy's offensive system worked as long as he was able to make it work he had all the right pieces and he was able to call the right plays at the right time against the right defenses in the right era and it just worked beautifully but now you have a new team you're going up against new modern offense defenses everything's changed and it's not working and so yeah it's 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 not as though you have to go to a Shanahan offense because that's the only thing that's working that's not true the point is we got to find a guy that has a system that will work, so it does have to be somewhat modern, but it also has to be a guy that can implement it and execute it. And again, I think Shanahan was the right hire just from the standpoint of which guy is ready to come in with such a firm grasp of what he knows. Not just does he know stuff, but a firm grasp of it. It's not what he knows, it's how well he knows it. There would be nothing wrong with bringing in a Matt Nagy, right, from the, the Andy Reid style. And just saying, I don't really care what you run. I just want to make sure that you know how to run it inside and out and make it work. I don't care if you want to come in here and be the 49ers or you want to come in here and be the Chiefs or you want to come in here and be the Saints. Whatever it is, just make it work. And then there's the other other extra elements of personality, leadership ability, whatever else they're putting into this that led to this hire. But again, the only thing I can say is that there's nothing really negative about it, and it has nothing to do with the defense. These are separate, independent parts. They need to find a way to maintain this defense, which is a problem for 32 teams in the NFL. Finding a way to build a good defense and maintain a good defense. 
Offense is a separate issue. If you want to have long-term success, you got to find a quarterback. Again, that's a separate issue. The Packers, as of right now, have no um, real ability for long-term success, assuming Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be playing for the Packers for the next 10 years, and we don't know what Jordan Love brings. However, I will say this in addition. If you're going to have success without a super-talented quarterback, you need to have a system that can work with mediocre quarterbacks, right? It's hard to be the Saints without Drew Brees. It's hard to be the, the Chiefs without Patrick Mahomes. But look at the teams that have been good with mediocre quarterbacks, like the Rams, like the Titans, like the 49ers. So there's, there's also that element, which is kind of contrary to what you're saying here. If Jordan Love is going to have success, there's only two ways that that's going to happen. Number one, he's a very, very, very good quarterback. Number two, he's good enough to manage a system that is a quarterback-friendly system, and that's exactly what this is, is a quarterback-friendly system. So it is more likely to have, in my opinion, just my opinion, feel free to do the homework and prove me wrong, I think it's more likely to have long-standing success because it's a system that doesn't need you to have a Hall of Fame quarterback to run it. What are the Chiefs without Pat Mahomes? I'll tell you, they're, they're garbage. I mean, the Saints without Drew Brees might be fairly good, but they're 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 not going to be Super Bowl contenders. I mean, they they have a good roster in general, but I, I just think you you take Drew Brees out of there, I think they're a good team, but they're they're nowhere near what they are. What are the 49ers without Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, depends what you mean. I mean, if you if you put Mullins back in, they're bad. But the point is, Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think is that great. The point is, take Jimmy Garoppolo and put him on the Chiefs, and what are the Chiefs? I think they're I think they're kind of terrible. What happens if you put Pat Mahomes on the 49ers? It's 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 beyond lights out. I mean, he he it's it's a one-to-one translation with the tight end because Kittle and and Kelsey, he's got the same guys. He doesn't have Tyreek anymore, but he's got a much better run game, a much better offensive line, a a night and day better defense. And I think outside of Tyreek Hill, it's a better wide receiver group. It's not Tyreek Hill and then down to nobody. So again, if if I read this over it would be a mistake to emulate the 49ers. They've had one winning season in the last five years. Again, they've had one in the last three, and it was their last one. The first one where they've had a quarterback all year. The strength of that team is defense, not necessarily. The ground and pound doesn't translate to consistent winning. Again, that's uh, I'll, I'll award you half credit for that. That's probably true, but consistent winning comes by way of quarterbacks. And a lot of the teams that you look at that have really good quarterbacks are not quote-unquote ground and pound. The Chiefs, the Saints, all these teams, they have long-standing. However, if you have a quote-unquote ground-and-pound team with a really good quarterback, there is every reason to believe they're going to have long-standing success because it's not about ground-and-pound. It's about your quarterback. It's the reason why, if you look at, for example, the 49ers compared to the Baltimore Ravens and said, which one do you think is is more likely to have long-standing success? I would say, depending on Lamar, and we don't know, we've seen one really good year from Lamar, but depending on him, if, if we assume Lamar stays as good as he is, I think the Baltimore Ravens have a much more likely chance of success. Because the 49ers have a have a winning team based on a lot of guys. And if that quote-unquote lot of guys starts to fall in part, the team falls apart. The Baltimore Ravens don't have that much. Again, they have no wide receivers. They do have a good running back. The offensive line is good, not great. The defense has some good pieces, but it's it's not the best defense in the world. So it's it's not... It's not a system that is predicated on a system. It's not a core group of guys that if we start losing, if we lose a couple of these pieces, everything falls apart. So, again, it's not the system that's the problem. If you want long-standing success, go get a good quarterback. And that's all 32 teams. 
And again, all 32 teams also have to find a way to get a good defense and maintain a good defense, which is a nearly impossible thing for everybody. Which, yes, that's the reason why you don't want to win based entirely on defense. You don't want that to be your strength. But again, that's not what the Packers are doing. The offensive system has nothing to do with the defense. We're not just giving up on offense and saying, let's just hand off the ball more and hope that our defense can win. That's not anybody's plan. Start running this system. Get better at running the ball. Run the ball ball more often. Become more efficient at passing the ball, which should, as it has with a lot of other teams, not just in 2019, but throughout NFL history going back into the 90s, and probably before that, has helped quarterbacks, even great quarterbacks, be even better. That's the hope. There's no guarantee any of that's going to happen. But this this isn't a death wish. This isn't the end-all, be-all. This isn't the thing that's going to finish off the Packers. So, anyways, that's all I got to say about that. Clearly, uh, I was correct in saying that this is going to be a ranty kind of a day. But uh, you folks have yourselves a great day. Do your best to be nice, please, because you're... you're driving me nuts i'm driving myself nuts too but just quit I'm, I'm i'm literally about to uninstall twitter from my phone i think i might need to do that i'm not kidding so if you want to reach out and you reach out on twitter and i don't respond hit me up on facebook or something because i i very well may have just deleted it from my phone but anyways have a great day i'll talk to you tomorrow have a good one